Hello and welcome to Room Escape Divas. Today we are talking to Delaney Anderson of Portable Escapes LLC and we're going to talk about escape rooms in conventions. (laughs) Yes, so hello, I am Amanda. And my name is Errol. And we just introduced ourselves successfully. I remembered this time. Um, I'm really horrible. For introducing herself, Delaney. So that's why mm-hmm. I'm really confused about things. But Manpans, who's like the veteran of podcasts. <laughs> Listening to podcasts. She tells us how to be professional. <laughs> well, I need all the help I can get. So, <laughs> and so no we're really glad to have you on. I'm, I, I'm not too sure since Donald's the one that introduced you to us. I take it, have you been on his podcast as well? No, I have not. Not yet. Oh, are we like one of your first podcast guest appearance people, interviewers? You absolutely are. Huzzah! We're professional interview so podcast people. So there you people. go. So everybody who's listening will be able to hear it fresh and new and all sorts of exciting stuff. So I think the first thing we want to do is maybe you can explain more about yourself, Delaney, and where you work and what you're doing. I work as a social worker by trade. I actually have my master's in social work, but sort of on a dare, a friend of mine said, hey, do you think you can pull off an escape room at a convention? And I said, I don't know, maybe. And then I did. And that's really kind of how myself and several of my friends, you know, I I roped a couple people into doing this with me. And that's how we got started. Wow. And have you ever created an escape room before? No, never. I've never actually even gone through an escape room. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) And And so how did you go in and just decide to do an escape room? I mean, did you go and do an escape room at least to get an idea or... No, I have still never done an escape room. <laughs> oh dear! <laughs> and so I worked. I worked backwards. I knew what the end is. Hopefully, they get out successfully, and then I just engineered everything backwards. Sort of like writing a, a campaign for a tabletop game. So, do you write a lot of campaigns, or do you like write a lot of game-like experiences like that? I have a lot of experience in that. I've got several years of tabletop gaming, board gaming, live action role play, and that's really where I kind of pulled a lot of things from. I also have the benefit of everybody on my crew. Um, they, a couple of them have gone through escape rooms, so you know there were times when they were like, no, 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 stop, stop, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> And they, they kind of smacked me around a little bit, and that really helped a lot. So the great thing is you brought in a pool of people where you were able to bring the gaming experience to the escape room, and they were able to provide you the structure of a normal a normal escape room, possibly. Well, as normal as it can possibly be in a convention. Uh, very true, very true. Very true. So you, you mentioned the dare on doing it in a convention. What was your first convention that you built it in? Megacon for Orlando. So this is one of the largest conventions in Florida. It may be the largest. Uh, it may be one of the largest in the southeast also. The attendance this year was over 100,000. Whoa. Yeah. So, you know, let's not start small. I mean, let's just pick one of the biggest conventions we can and just chuck ourselves into the middle of it. And that's what we did. And so how long was your escape room and how many people were going through it? I guess we want some perspective on, like, what those what those people were expecting. We actually we pulled off two rooms. One was a 30-minute room, and the other one is a 45-minute room. The 30-minute room, the physical space that we had to work with was itself rather small, and it could only comfortably fit about four to five people. The, The other room was physically larger and could comfortably fit six to seven, and that's typically what we kept it at. Which is really nice because those are good sizes for an escape room, either in and around that or a little bit smaller. Usually when you get to like, you know, 10 or larger, then it becomes chaos in there. I had a couple of friends who said that they had gone through rooms where, you know, it was they had their little tiny crew of like four or five. But then they had this other party of eight 
that went through it with them. And they said it was one of the worst, most miserable things that they had ever done. So that was a big part of the influence for us to keep the rooms small, not only in space, but also in the number of people who could go through it at one time. And that's interesting that you also have it for 30 and 45 minutes, because I think there are some escape rooms, especially when you're at cons, sorry, con escape rooms, they usually tend to be a lot shorter to get as many people through as possible. You know, for the, so the rooms, it's easier if I call them, you know, by their, their names, the short one, the 30 minute one is the vault. And the 45 minute one is, is potions. That is actually fairly complex. You have several steps and there are things that you have to do in a specific order. And, and the moderator who's watching the room will know if you don't put your potion together correctly. There are times when teams have had to start completely over from scratch because they didn't follow the instructions. So with that one, it really does take almost the full 45 minutes. I think our fastest team went through it in 37 minutes. Wow. And so how long do you, so how long during the convention did you run it? Is just all day cycling players through? It was, it was all day cycling through. We had about probably an hour in the morning for us to finish doing any setup, making sure all of our last touches are ready to go. And then we had an hour at the end for teardown. Depending on how quickly um, we can actually reset the rooms in probably about 15 minutes. So we could do this back to back um, as long as I have another moderator. But if it's only me doing it throughout the entire convention and I have to run both rooms as the moderator, then I, I need a little bit more time in between because I can't be in two places at once. Oh, very true. So how many people do you have going through your rooms? That seems like uh, that seems like you're going uh, you're nonstop. That sounds tiring. It, it is. It is very tiring, uh, <laughs> especially when you have to be on all day. So for the vault, which is the physically smaller room, we had about 95 people go through that room throughout the entire life of the con. And then for uh, potions, which is the larger room, we had about 119 go through that. Oh, cool. So was there, was there a long lineup then? Because I can imagine were people wanting to go through the room. And how did you handle everybody that wanted to try it out? Unfortunately, we had a lot of times where we had to turn people away because the sales for the room were on-site only. Oh. And, and we had the other thing where anyone who was premium or VIP, they could get into the convention half an hour early. So they were showing up, buying all of the sessions, so everybody who came just as a regular convention goer, we were sold out before they could even get up the stairs because premium and, and VIP would get in before them. Uh, so okay. was there a way, so there was there anything you did for future conventions to sort of mitigate that a bit or to adapt to it? Or is it is it generally the same thing? Oh, we went to online sales. Oh, okay. Yes, we are typically linked through the convention's website, then to our site where people can go and uh, you basically go on and it's, you know, you buy however many you want of whichever session you want until it's sold out. So if somebody, you know, has a group of five and they want to do the vault and they buy all five slots for a particular time, and and then there's no more of it. So that's interesting. So then do you advertise? I guess when we go to cons, we kind of look to see who the speakers are and what the sessions are. But sometimes I don't even look at the sessions until day of because it's the the guests that I'm interested in. So are you on the website somewhere? Like, are, are you... I, I mean, are I, you advertised on I, the ad, site? Yeah, I guess yeah. you're advertised on the site as like... Um, alternative games or <laughs> mad pants would know better she's the con goer not me we're considered a added value feature so we don't actually end up as like a panel listing or anything like that but we we 
are released a certain amount of time before the convention starts. So the convention itself won't actually put us out there until a couple weeks before the convention. And they'll, they do a huge media blitz on their website with their Twitter, with their Facebook, announcing that tickets are going on sale and then people are able to come to the website and and buy the tickets. And are there just out of curiosity, are there any slots that you keep open for anybody who happens to wander by your escape room who has not looked at the site at all, not looked at the Twitter, but walks by it in the convention and thinks, oh, that's cool. Whenever we do that, we run into the same problem of the of people who are VIP or premium they buy those first. The only slot that we hold special is for our special needs clients. So we reserve one session each day of the vault just for people who may have uh, mobility issues, uh, who may you know be hard of hearing or have limited sight or have any other form of, of special accommodation that is necessary, and we keep one of those specifically set aside just for special needs clients. Oh, cool. that's really cool. Yeah. So the logistics of this, I can imagine, yeah. to be quite hectic. Do you arrive in a truck? Is it, Does it all fit in the back of your car? I mean, I, I think people can go to your website to see... Uh, what it looks like a little bit on the inside, but I guess it's hard to tell the scale of what you're doing. Everything has to fit into four shipping boxes or crates or tubs or totes or whatever it is that we're using. So, for example, for uh, the vault, one of our shipping containers is a steamer trunk. It does double duty for the room as a prop, but it's also what we pack part of the room into and then ship. Mm. So we limit everything that if need be, yeah, it will all absolutely fit into my car. Oh, wow. That's impressive. Yeah. When we say portable, we really mean it. It is truly, truly portable. Super portable. So absolutely everything. The set, uh, um, the lighting, anything like that. Everything. Everything. Absolutely everything. So when you see the the floating picture frame and and the character of Aunt Philomena, who is a deceased witch, she's uh, hanging out in her portrait, that entire setup where we have rigged this floating portrait is all collapsible, packable, and shippable. That's great. Wow. And how long does it take to set up then? I think you mentioned... You go an hour or two beforehand? The actual setup for the rooms, it takes us about four hours to set up the room if we don't know what we're walking into. Ah, <laughs> ah true, true. Yeah. <laughs> if we get to design the room and have it at least partially preset, that's a whole other story. Things go very, very quickly. Uh, the thing that takes the longest is the hanging portrait. So is this like in a normal conference room or are you like on the dealer's stage or dealer's room, whatever it's called? Or how does, do you get a room that you get to decorate? So we have gotten everything from a conference room that we then have to set dress all the way to uh, we have gotten a, a spare show office that they had. Oh. And they just kind of crammed us into this tiny little office. And it worked really well, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine that the less space that you need to decorate, the easier it is to kind of make it feel like the world. Very much so. Uh, it also is a whole lot easier when I'm not having to decorate pipe and drape. Yes. Yeah, I bet. Oh, yeah. Do you do you have your own pipe and drape or do you use their pipe and drape? I take it you use their pipe and drape. We use theirs. Uh, it's a lot easier because they can then set it up. So, yeah. So when a convention hires you or sorry. Actually, you, how long yeah. have you been doing this for? Uh, this is our first year. Oh, this is your first year. Cool. Ooh. But you already have how many conventions lined up? lined up for summer? We have Boston at the beginning of August, Toronto Fan Expo over Labor Day. 
then we are back in the United States for Tampa, Megacon, and then we get to go travel over to Dallas in October. Good grief. So you're all over the place. Absolutely. And mm, I don't know how to ask the question. Is oh, it, is it, is it, uh, do they hire you or have you, or, or do you like get s- space for yourself in there? They hire us typically. And there's a couple of options. So you can either hire us and we, we just run it as much as possible and they pay everything. So the, the, con goers or whoever does not pay anything or we can then charge which is typically what most conventions have us do so do you use are there other escape rooms uh venues that are also doing the con as well or do you usually find actually no sorry i guess that megacon that was your first one right well but there so for example at toronto fan expo there absolutely will be another escape room it is um if they're doing the same theme that they did last year it's doctor who themed oh right yes that's true they uh i want to say that one of their rooms that they had had a like a uh success rate of something crazy like 23% or 36% of people who successfully completed so, so is that crazy high or crazy low to you it's pretty intense <laughs> so sorry is that is that success rate good or bad <laughs> i guess it just depends um we have a couple of couple of rooms that are we're in the process of building that are harder so for example we consider the vault to be on the easy side whereas potions we would consider to be medium so but believe it or not we've had more people fail at the vault than we did at potions even though it's it's our easiest one it's because of the last puzzle that people have to solve and they get it wrong like they get everything right and then that final last puzzle that's that's where they just tank and we don't and and there's you know and and typically so if you look at this is going to be nerd alert okay it's a harry potter themed room we don't use any of the actual harry potter names or anything like that but it's you can tell when you walk in that you're walking into the wizarding world and so if you have people on the team that are hufflepuffs and ravenclaws and slytherins every single one of those teams does amazing the second you put a gryffindor (laughs) <laughs> on a team, every single one of those teams just does terrible. Those Gryffindors. <laughs> just all brash and boldness and just flying into danger and knocking stuff over. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <sighs> so so the logi- like Carol was saying earlier, the logistics of running one of these things uh, must be insane, especially as you said, since you're walking into a space that you don't necessarily know what it looks like or how it's laid out. So, what are the big, some of the bigger challenges you have uh, when you're when you're setting up these games, and and how have you overcome them? Well, our biggest our biggest challenge is because we literally fit into four crates or whatever. We cannot use a lot of the sort of tried and true things that a lot of escape rooms do use. We don't have any furniture at our disposal. One of the things that we actually cover when people come in the room is don't flip over furniture. You don't need to crawl around on the ground for anything. There's nothing going to be hidden on the underside of chairs. You know, you might find in a lot in some escape rooms where they've hidden something in, in a chair leg. We can't use that. We cannot actually install things like safes that somebody would have to, you know, put in a code and open and get it out. That's okay. Both those both those tropes are actually very tired now. <laughs> I actually despise lockout space safes. And also, when a when a room goes to an in, in, an intense, uh, when they desperately try to hide things on you, I actually think that's bad. Like, if they're going to hide things so well that, you know, you can't find it cause, and you place it there, then I think, no, now you're against the player. I usually find that intense searching is usually bad for him. Anyway, sorry. So I think these are all good things. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. I think it's a good thing, too. You know, it, it really challenges us to, to have to be much more creative because we can't 
just sort of rely on, I don't know, the things that are kind of just easy. Um, Lisa, one of uh, my partners, she is very much about the logic. She's like, this does not logically fit into this world. You may not do that. So things like hiding it in a chair leg, she would she would smack my hand anyway. She's not going to let me get away with that, John. <laughs> It's like, that's the Scott Nicholson. Yeah, he's like, uh, oh, you have an Ask Why person on your team. I think everybody needs that. Yeah, you do. Why is this here? It doesn't need to be. That is, yes, Lisa is the Scott Nicholson of my world, and I love it. (laughs) I do have to ask, like, a a practical question. Um, What about lighting in the room? Because I know those conventions have the awful fluorescent lighting in in most of the rooms. And if you're trying to create an atmosphere of potions and stuff, how do you help control that? So one of the nice things that I have going for me is I have a great working relationship with most of the show managers that uh, run the conventions. And so when I tell them I need all of the emergency lighting turned off and then they look at me and say, but we need the fire marshal to approve that. And I say, no problem. Get them down here. They're going to love me. I get all of those lights turned off. And and so far I have not had a problem. You know, if I had some wood to knock on, I would to make sure that that's continues. But typically we get everything, all of those fluorescent lights turned off and we bring in our own lighting. We have one box outside of the typical whatever the room needs. And in that box is where all of our lighting goes. So we use a lot of things that are Edison bulbs or, um, we use a lot of rope lights, especially if the room is, is dark and I need to outline so that way people don't step on something ridiculous. So we use a lot of typical lighting. We have a ridiculous number of battery powered candles, tea lights, uh, those little tiny string lights. We, we put lights in anything and everything that you would probably not expect. No, makes sense. Yeah, if yeah. you want to get enough lighting there. Because I'm old. I like to have light. It's funny. <laughs> when you go on the Facebook group, you start to see all of us older enthusiasts start complaining about how it's too dark. Oh, there's lots of dark. posts on that now. <laughs> Feels like every other week it's like, oh, someone's complaining about dim lighting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's me. Cause it's so, well, it's usually because it's dim lighting on worn locks, and that just drives me insane. Right. Yeah, I'm not about that. That would annoy me too. So I don't do that to people. We also typically give, um, we have an amazing collection of lanterns that are all battery operated. So usually at least every room has at least one lantern, if not two. So that way people have like their own little, I don't know, safety blanket of light that they can walk around with. Yeah, that's good. Oh, they love it. No, yeah, no. I I usually get upset too in an escape room if, if, if it's dark. And they only give two flashlights and there's six of us. It makes me so mad. Yeah, I'm not about that. that. That would annoy me too. We also tend to use a lot of red light hidden messages. We use a lot of black light hidden messages. And we use that stuff in other aspects. So we will typically like use UV to... It may not be a written message, but it's to highlight something that you need to go look at. Uh, because once again, you know, we're using things like wands that light up and, and let me tell you, you hand somebody a wand that lights up and they shine that on everything. <laughs> uh-huh. Nope. I understood. Would troll the room with his yeah. wand. Well, I don't know. Usually I give it, if it's searching, then I give it to someone else. <laughs> if we all had our own wands. But if we all had our own wands. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. If each of us had a wand, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Actually, I'd just be waving it about. You would. So you would be. just I be doing dances no, in the middle I of the room. Be doing any searching? Yeah. <laughs> Same question though with uh, with sound because I know that at conventions, actually, this is a problem in regular escape rooms as well. Is that sometimes you have the sounds of the outside world impeding in, or people doing stuff in other rooms as well? Is there any particular soundproofing, or do you just kind of live with? Look, it's going to be noisy. There's going to be people right outside yelling their heads off about this costume they just saw. Um, and you just sort of accept that. Uh, luckily, we try and actually incorporate that into the rooms. So one of them is the vault. 
And the reason you get locked in is that there is something that has happened outside of the vault where yelling and screaming is going on. You don't know what it is, but now the law, the vault is on lockdown, and that's the whole reason you have to get out. Oh, that's nice. That's Build great. it into the narrative. That's great. <laughs> and then with potions, you're supposed to be passing your potions test, and there is someone or something, perhaps a certain pesty poltergeist, who is trying to make it really, really hard on you. So once again, the yelling and the screaming outside fits into the scenario. Or you could be in a loud school. Or, you could or be in just a, a plain old loud school. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> so school's out, so everybody's just going nuts. <laughs> it's true. You could be at detention and everybody else is outside having a good time. Yeah. Although I guess you don't want to really market your rooms as detention. <laughs> That was oddly enough the original version. It was that you had gotten detention for failing your classes and you had to do an assignment to make up. And uh, we ended up uh, doing away with the detention aspect and just turning it into you had to pass your final test. So we thought about that. That was in there. (laughs) Nice. Actually, I'm really surprised that the the Doctor Who room had a 23% pass rate only because I heard that it was... It was very, it was, well, I guess it was really just for people who were Doctor Who fans. They had three rooms. Oh, okay. Because I heard like, you know, anybody who wasn't into the lore of Doctor Who wouldn't really be able to get the rooms as easily, which makes sense if, you know, if it's for Doctor Who fans, which would be me and my family. One of their rooms had... A, a pretty good pass rate. I can't remember what it was, but I know it was. It, it seemed reasonably decent to me. I want to. I, th- I think it was in like the seventies. The middle room, or the I guess the medium room, was. I want to say somewhere in the fifties, and then the the hard room was, like I said, either in the thirties or the twenties. Although, how long were they? Were they long too? No, I don't think they were. Were they? They were like fifteen minutes or something. I think. I don't remember that. For some reason, I want to say that they were different times, but I also feel like they didn't run it very often. Oh, okay. I do remember talking to the Twitter on to the one of the creators on Twitter because I was curious about it, and because we're also divas about escape rooms and creating them, and and it's interesting because I, he too was someone that just enjoyed Doctor Who and decided to make a Doctor Who escape room. So I don't know if he did very many escape rooms beforehand as well. You know, honestly, I didn't have a chance to talk to them, so I don't know. Um, I do know that you definitely had to, like, know Doctor Who. And one of the things that I didn't want to do is I didn't want to have somebody say, well, I'm not really a Harry Potter fan. Can I finish this room? Absolutely, yes, you can. I think we have maybe one piece of Harry Potter trivia in both rooms, and that's it usually an unwritten rule for escape rooms, mainly if you want to appeal to the mainstream group is not to have any kind of external knowledge because it does make it hard. And then it also makes it hard for the game master because now they have to come in and explain to them, okay, no, actually this is the answer for this. And if there's no way to know that answer other than if you know the fandom, then then you have to help them, right? Unless you add like a Doctor Who convention or something. It's true, yeah. And no, then maybe you it? could just assume that most people will know oh, certain yeah. bits. Yeah, but that, this was at Fan Expo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Although just... I would say maybe the majority of them do. Who knows? I'm not too sure. Who knows? Unless it was really esoteric knowledge. Obscure. That's obscure. From this lost episode. Yeah, of, like, you like... know, what year was K-9's metal created in? Somebody knows that. Yeah, somebody does. <laughs> I'm sure somebody does, and it's not me. <laughs> We're going to get emails now. <laughs> I like to think that I'm a Doctor Who fan, but I, you know, I, I don't know that I would... I don't know that I would know enough to pass a, a, an actual, you know, sort of trivia-based room. I would even be scared to create a Doctor Who escape room myself. Because I know if I get the slightest thing off, then you, then, you'll know. then the nerds will tell you, actually, yeah. Yeah. right? If somebody were to make a Miyazaki Castle Laputa in the Sky room, I'd, I'd, I'd critique that. It. I yeah. would tear it to pieces. Yeah. <laughs> 
unless they make it like the color of her ribbon was this color in this scene it's pantone 439 what are you doing this is obviously not the right color well I'm a mean person, but I think it's more along the lines like what man pans when we did a room a long time ago and somebody bragged to Amanda that this is a story based room. And then that's when Amanda's, uh, oh, really? Is it now? And she went in there expecting an amazing story and it wasn't anywhere close. No, and I had my I had my white gloves on and I found all the dust underneath all the things, all the story dust. That oh, that's just like, what? You were checking for dust? No, no. It's like, it's like all right, fine. Let me, let me. That's a, is that a normal let analogy? Let me get my analogy? snootiest, I'm I don't confused. know, white glove treatment, you know. <laughs> okay, is that what it's called? Yeah. Sorry, I, I, no, I, you know, I thought it was like I took off the kid gloves. I think that's probably where my mind was going. Oh, okay. And then I was confused <laughs> about dust and kid, what? What's ha- anyway, I'm sorry. sorry. Man, pa- no, no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. anyway. Uh, but yeah, no, I really like that idea of, of building the convention atmosphere into your narrative as well. And that's, that just works with you. What are some of the fun things that, what have players enjoyed most about your rooms? Or what are some of the fun experiences that you've had watching you, your players? Honestly, one of the things that we do is, um, well, we make a little bit fun of the players as, as they go along. And that really is absolutely wonderful. There's absolutely nothing better than getting to call somebody a potato. <laughs> Please tell me that there's some sort of teacher that might be mocking them along the way. Oh, yes, that's absolutely, that's absolutely your Auntie Philomena. She is there to ridicule you. Or if I'm taking a break, then you get her twin brother, Uncle Fillmore, who is ten times nastier than, than Auntie Philomena. So you have a an actor slash moderator there goading the char- goading the players on as they play as well. Absolutely, we make fun of people. Oh, I, I can't tell you. You know, something as simple as as having to tell them to no, no, go back and read that again. Read that again. You weren't paying attention, were you? Oh, so that's nice. So it kind of like works as an in-game hint for anyone who isn't familiar with escape rooms. You do have. Uh, people there to help guide them as well. Absolutely. And for, I would say, probably half of the players, this was their first escape room that they had ever done. It's one of those things where, because it's so short, people can fit it into their con experience and they don't feel like they have to invest a lot of time in it. You show up five or ten minutes before, you check in, you go through the room, 30 to 45 minutes, you're done, boom, you're on to the next thing. And people really enjoyed that aspect of it. They could enhance their experience, but not have to devote a lot of time to it. And I'm also sensing that you develop a strong world and or narrative while you're in the games that you create. Absolutely. Every single one of the games has at least some form of moderator, and almost all of them are snarky in some way. It's just automatically written in. Uh, we have one room that we're currently, it's in the works, and the moderator is decisively unhelpful. <laughs> it's a knockoff of Indiana Jones, and if you actually set this guy free, he will, he will try to work against you. So freeing him is not part of of completing the room. Oh. <laughs> so can you re-trap him again in case, you know, you can see he's like a little monkey that's gotten loose and starts throwing bananas around? That would be have me. Have you tried to, re- yeah, it's like, <laughs> have you tried to re-trap an arrow? No. <laughs> I don't know what people will do if they actually set him free. I'm sure somebody, somebody does. Somebody will. Somebody will. <laughs> yeah, somebody will. Somebody's going to take pity on this guy. They're going to assume... You know, part of it is that they're going to assume that this guy is is to be set free, but the reality is 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 that's not part of it. He's a red herring, basically. Oh, a giant, obnoxious, degrading red herring. Somebody will let him free. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun. I would say, like, I don't know. It probably makes your con experience better that you can be snarky to people while, while they play uh, so i there was one there was one group that was one of the worst groups that we had um 
And this young lady got really irritated because I kept telling her that she had to actually read the instructions. She got very mad and threatened to throw something at me. (laughs) And so what do you do in that situation? (laughs) I laugh at her and tell her that she can get out of my room. Yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately, uh, she she calmed down once she actually took the time to read. She was a Gryffindor. I mean, come on. She said, oh, she was a Gryffindor. Of course, she wanted to throw something. <laughs> she she slowed down and she actually read and it was sort of like the light bulb came on and she realized that, that even though I was being a little snarky, I was there to help. And so she instantly calmed down and, and got better. We have a reader in our room for this. Yeah, that's sweet. what I that's yeah. you. That's we just make man pants. We, I think we mention this every week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is news to anybody by now. <laughs> well having a reader for a room is brilliant. I mean you have the your Hufflepuffs or your searchers, they go and they find. You should have your Ravenclaw reading because that's where the clues are gonna be. The Slytherin is the one who figures out where crap is hidden, and then you tie the Gryffindor up and leave them sitting on the floor so they can't ruin anything. I think the funny thing is I think people consider me a Hufflepuff. I'm a Hufflepuff, actually. Are you a Hufflepuff? And every single test I've taken over the last fifteen years. Which one's years. Hufflepuff again? The loyal ones yeah, who are see, kind of just For some losers. reason I, I go there. I don't I, you would think that I'd, I'd place somewhere else, but for some reason I place there. I don't. Uh, I think you're Hufflepuff because you're completely satisfied with not being involved or anything. Yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just happy to just play in the room. Yeah. <laughs> Hufflepuffs are exceptionally good finders. They they tend to find things rather quickly, and you know everybody else is off looking, and the Hufflepuff just sort of gravitates to whatever needs to be found. Um, they're also um, not afraid of hard work, so that's another thing that makes them particularly good at the escape rooms. See, there's well, a processor. So. There's there's, is, there's no uh, there's no house that just likes to play, <laughs> and that's because they never made it into the school. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably true. That'd be great. You'd sit under the Sorting Hat. And like, I don't know, guys. Just get them out of here. <laughs> Go play with this mop somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> play, play. So you mentioned new projects. So I wanted to talk about your new projects and uh, your team that you're working with. Well, so let me talk about my team because I absolutely love them. I am so completely just uh, hashtag blessed, if I could use that. You know, Lisa is. Uh, she's our, our logic matrix, and it's wonderful. She actually got into prop building. She got to go and see the Jim Henson Creature Lab. Ooh. Uh, yes, and that kind of got her started on building puppets. And then from building puppets, that's when she decided, you know what, I'm just going to make my own props. And she actually works for Universal, oh. as well as having her own business, uh, Half Moon Creative Works, and as if she doesn't have enough jobs already, she also works for Portable Escape. So that's Lisa. So having a good prop maker is amazing. Luckily, everybody is a prop maker. Oh, wow. wow. Everybody has more skills than I do. That's (laughs) sad. (laughs) Krista is, she is sort of the aesthetics of everything. She looks at things and makes sure that they feel right. She makes sure that uh, everything that is created is cohesive and it goes together. She's our graphic designer. She does a lot of the logos. So one of the things that we did for, um, po- uh, yes, potions, we created our own Quidditch teams because we didn't want to use any of the ones from the actual world of Harry Potter. So we have these sort of rubbish minor league teams. Well, she's designed a coat of arms for every single one of them. Oh, cute. Oh, it's fun. Yeah, it just, it's one of those things that sort of ties everything into the world. She also builds props. Um, she's responsible for, we have a few other things that are in the works. There's um, a sort of haunted mansion themed room that is a potential thing in the future. 
And all of that is purely her doing. Krista drug in Keith, kicking and screaming. Not really. He, she, she's just like, hey, Keith, come do this. And he's like, yeah. He also builds props. He is a subject, subject matter expert for all things that are military. He's a former Marine. So anytime that we delve into anything that is industrial or, or, or anything that even kind of looks militaristic, that's where we, he starts everything off. He's also one of the other moderators and actors. Uh, he also helps to write a lot of the things that we're working on. Um, right now we've got the our Indiana Jones ripoff that we're working on, and we've got a derelict Russian space freighter that you have to puzzle your way out of. Oh, space marines. There you go. Oh, it's, it's uh, you know... Basically, there's there's actually about four different things going on in that room at one time. Only two of them are actually required to complete the room. One of them is get the door open. The other one is find an object. But then there's a couple of side pieces that are going on. And so he's helping with that. So that means doing things like learning Russian. If you're going to do something, do it right. But all of us build props. All of us help with the writing. What do I bring to the table? I get to shuffle paper. Like, that's really not fun, but that's that's mostly what I do. Oh, do you do all the admin work? <laughs> yeah, I get to do the taxes. and That's oh, important. No, that's very important. <laughs> this is the reason I would fail at a business, actually, because I would not be the person for that. Uh, it's not fun. <laughs> no. <laughs> Taxes, they're not fun. You should make a tax-themed escape room. No! Everybody no. would rush to that. Or do you just play that every day in your life? Yeah, I play that every day. And uh, when you say writing, does that include the puzzle design as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. We tend to... Um, sometimes there's a, there's a beginning and an end, and then the middle sort of gets all fiddly and weird. And that's when, you know, when I can't figure something out, I'm like, okay, how in the world do I get from here to there? That's when I tag different people and have them look at it so they can help me make sense of whatever ridiculousness is going on in my brain. Right. Well, it's good. Yeah, it's good to have a team of different minded people that can, yeah, tag team that kind of stuff. I don't think any of our puzzles has gone without input from every single member. Every single one, every room, everybody touches it. And do you get a chance to, to beta test often as well? We have a dedicated team of beta testers uh, in Orlando. We sometimes will let people test one aspect of something, and then another team will test other aspects, so that way nobody goes through the whole thing at once. It just in case somebody actually, you know, shows up at the convention is like, I really want to do this. Okay, here you go. You can go through it. So something will be familiar, but not the whole thing. And so what are some of the future projects you're working on? You mentioned the Indiana Jones thing. Yeah, he's going to be called probably some variation of Omaha James. <laughs> I mean, you know, because you, you got to have that feel. Uh, then we have our, our Russian space freighter. Uh, we are working on something that is more Fantastic Beasts themed. So it's going to be set in the United States in the 1920s. It's going to have uh, some aspects of the Makusa in it. Then we have got a haunted mansion room. It's really hard for us to not turn everything into a horror th or Halloween themed room. Oh, why? <laughs> I don't know why. We've got sort of an outbreak... Uh, we're not going to put zombies in a room because I feel like zombies are super overdone, but it's going to be a uh, an outbreak, you know, epidemic type of an escape room. There is uh, one of our conventions has requested that for 2019 we do something that is Stranger Things themed. They are super uh, into their brand, so we're not going to touch it with a 10-foot pole. So it's going to be weirder stuff rather than Stranger Things. So we have that one in the works as well. So when, when you have all of these games available to you, do you plan on bringing every single one to a con, or do you hope to just like swap them in and out depending on 
how many people you have available to you? We swap them out depending on usually how much space we are given. Mm. Because even if we're given, let's say they give us this gigantic conference room, you can only put so many rooms in there before they're sort of stepping on each other and 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 you you just can't hide that ambient noise. You know, if, if you've got one group over in the corner, even if you've got some pipe and drape up, you may not see them, but you could probably hear them. So we're always going to be limited unless they give us just all individual rooms, which there are, and it, it all depends on the convention space. There are some convention spaces that they, the conventions have that they can give us, you know, seven individual offices that we can run seven individual rooms and run them at whatever pace we want. So it's pretty cool that somebody asked you to do this on a dare and then you eventually decided this this could be a business. Now, I, I assume it's a business probably in the summer slash fall season, because unless there are a lot, I mean, there aren't that many cons during the winter, maybe. But I guess they start again in the spring. But no, there's not many conventions in the winter. But then we are opened up for things like corporate parties. We can do private parties. Uh, typically, that's going to stay, you know, in our home base in the Orlando area. Um, there's a lot of smaller conventions that we can do in the Orlando area as well. So it's not as if, you know, we just sort of pack up and put mothballs on everything until the next year. There's other things that we do. It's just on a significantly smaller scale. And now that you've so now you have a couple of rooms under your belt, you've run them over the course of a year and you're designing new rooms. So what are some of the lessons you took from those rooms that you're trying to incorporate into the new rooms? It's never hard enough. <laughs> really? Really? That's the, that's like the complete. We, we thought, okay, no, we can't do that. That's going to be too hard on, on the players. That's, that's just crazy. And have found out, nope, nope. You can definitely make it harder. Wow. That is like the complete That's opposite the complete of everything opposite of, we have ever of when done. When I create puzzles, it is <laughs> it is too hard. And I've made things so easy after that and it's still too hard. <laughs> when I first made my very first event, my poor man pants, she was there. You could tell the story cuz Oh, we we okay, I'll tell <laughs> tell it for Delaney's sake but yeah our first one we did the first beta test uh for his game and he brought a bunch of puzzles and we all sat down the creators and I er, the other creators and Errol's like okay this should take this is designed to take about 15 minutes and 45 minutes later we still were not getting it (laughs) a lot better now yeah yeah Yeah. you are better now you have a better sense of like because you're coming from puzzle hunt world where it could take people days to solve a puzzle. But, yeah, that you know. was back when my when I was making puzzle hunts. So, yeah. <laughs> but now, but mind you, mind you, when we did our train event, still the puzzles were too hard. Yeah. But a lot of them were drunk. Those people that, uh, <laughs> I think the people who had problems are drunk. That's probably why. Well, if somebody shows up drunk, they're definitely not going to get through one of our rooms. Yeah. I just think that's a given. So when you say there are two, it's not hard enough. Like, in which way? This I find really interesting. I guess that would be too spoiler-ridden, wouldn't it, unfortunately? Uh, Well, I think actually using the word spoiler, I think that that was one of the things that uh, I know for a fact with our very first room, the first time we ran the vault, that was one of the things that we, we did. We made it too easy to figure out what to go look for. You know, it was it was definitely coming from this. The some of the the feedback and the input that I had gotten was, oh, you know, people they get into these escape rooms and they start yelling and screaming and tearing everything up. And I was like, what? No, 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 don't want that. Whenever we got feedback that something was perhaps a little frustrating, that's where we eased back and made it simpler, or we threw in a second place where they could find a hint that it turned out we didn't we didn't need to do that it was our first instinct of of the level of difficulty was the right instinct and we probably could have not listened to some of the people that we listened to with the feedback and we could have kept it the, the original difficulty level which is is what we've done we've of course reworked both rooms 
multiple times at this point. So even if somebody, you know, comes and they, they like, haha, I did this last year and they come, they do it again. It's, it's a different room. That's the nice thing about being portable. Yes, no, definitely. I guess, well, a lot of rooms too, that's what makes reviews so difficult when it comes to escape rooms is that we find that the owners would have iterated the game enough that it's probably a completely different experience. Not completely different. However, all the things that made a reviewer upset or things that they may even loved may have been changed and and maintenance too. That's usually also... Anyway, there's... When, when, when a year has gone in an escape room world, uh, the room could be quite different from when a person played it. And it's also... So, the other yeah. thing that we do is... All of our well, we try to make each of our rooms to where you can we can run totally different scenarios in the same room. So you have the escape from your crazy Aunt Philomena's vault, but then the other flip side of that is you go into that exact same vault to then later solve her murder, which is its own es- sort of escape room. Oh, cool. So you can use different narratives for the same set almost. Absolutely. There's actually three different versions of the potions room. So while the basic framework is the same, what you have to go and find and some of the things that you have to do are different. So even if somebody is just like, hey, I'm going to go do this again, they're not going to get the exact same thing that they did before. We purposefully built it with multiple versions. Well, you know, it's a, it's a convention. You don't want somebody to go walk out and instantly be like, oh, hey, this is the answer, guys. This is what you need to do to anybody who's standing out there. So that was that was one of our thoughts when we created it was keeping the hype, keeping the excitement, but having it to where somebody can't go and just blab everything about your room. Hopefully, That's a very good point. <laughs> well, the interesting thing in the escape room world, people usually don't do that, I find. The people are usually really good at not, not blabbing. They may blab because they're excited about it, but they probably wouldn't blab to ruin the experience for somebody else. Probably not. Yeah. Uh, I would like to think that there's probably only a couple of of groups, like the, the groups that, that didn't make it, those are the groups that I can see them going, oh, hey, yeah, if you do this, make sure you watch out for this because that'll get you every time. I think it probably depends if they're all friends, though. If they're all friends, they might tell their other friends. Mm. I feel like people are competitive enough, though, sometimes that they they don't tell anybody anything so that they can say, like, oh, did you have as much trouble in this puzzle as I did? Or, like... I, th- I think that was, like, a huge worry way back in the day that everybody would start spoiling things. Yeah. But it doesn't seem... After, about, what, three years? It doesn't seem to have panned out that there's all these spoilers out there. A lot of people are really good at keeping, mm-hmm. keeping mum about stuff. I think the one thing that I found people were very competitive about was... How was our time? Were we the fastest? Yes. Yep. Yes, they that's, definitely are. That's still a thing. <laughs> and we had um, some groups that came through that felt that they were incredibly good at escape rooms. And so they would ask, oh, what's the best time? And, you know, we had that for the potions, our, our best time was 37 minutes. And, you know, this group came through. They were going to beat that. They were going to do it in 32 minutes, blah, blah, blah. They got out at 43 minutes. They were one of the worst teams. <laughs> <laughs> I usually find that with, uh, what would you call them? Middle tier enthusiasts? Is, oh, are you, are you yes. tearing them now? Is that a thing that we're going to be doing? When you become, yeah, I know, this is like really bad. But when you this become is... someone who has done an awful lot of escape rooms, you stop caring about time. Well, a lot of it is because I, I, don't, I don't trust rooms in general, so I don't really care about the time. And two, I don't want to go through it really quickly. Right? Mm-hmm. Would you disagree with me? I'm just thinking, like, I think are a we going to think of nicknames for them now? Yeah, because a lot of people at the very beginning, when they're starting to do rooms, they want to beat it as quick as they can. Because yeah, yeah. now they've done about, what, 20 or they've something 20, like that? 20. They consider themselves yeah. really good, and time is still an important thing for them. <laughs> you can come in, oh, I'm here come the mid tiers. <laughs> Yeah, you go ahead and you try and get it in 20 minutes or whatever. 
We're just gonna sit here and enjoy the portrait. But they also, but they also get really mad when they don't solve it. They right? do. Right? They do. So, and then they consider it to be well, I don't know. It depends. And then they go into diva status eventually, where they're just snobby about everything. Well, so all it good. depends. I mean, I think when I, I when I listen to, I'm just review, trying to save you, like no, you know, lambasting. I think everybody, everybody knows what I'm like, and usually when I yeah. read a review, I can tell if the puzzle design is good or if they're just upset when they're losing. That's yeah. true. You can tell that. <laughs> Sort of like, I didn't get this at all. Well, is it because it's a bad puzzle? Yeah. You didn't explain that bit. Anyway, Delaney is just finding out. Poor I'm a Delaney. Jerk. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm just sitting here thinking, okay, I need to make sure that I plan my rooms as if Errol's going to come through. Oh, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I am, I am the first one to say, you do not make a room for me. <laughs> Making a room for me is, well, depends you know yeah i am i yeah just like scott nicholson is huge about ask why i am huge about elegant puzzle design and if i notice anything off it will i it's i will notice it and it doesn't destroy usually if i have a good experience then i'm fine i i, I don't i i actually have uh have enjoyed many rooms that i thought the puzzles were horrible but well, okay, sorry, maybe. Anyway, regardless. Just keep digging, man. Just keep digging. <laughs> but 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 at the same time, it it doesn't have to be super elegant. Like for me, when I build some of my puzzles and it's still having it's still for me, I would probably want to spend a whole year on it. And then and then I'm only given like three months to to craft a uh, a game experience. And I think, ah, it's not long enough. It doesn't have to be elegant to be fun. Yes. Yeah. But it makes it much better. But it can still be logical. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. I'm trying to save you, man. <laughs> Come on. But I think for the mainstream crowd, and I'm not the mainstream, that's just it. You know, it's, I'm nowhere close to the mainstream people, and so you don't need to impress me. No. But if you do impress me, then, I'm, then, then I'll tell everybody in the world about it, because I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty impressive. I think probably the way that that we mostly try to impress people is when you walk into one of our rooms, you do not feel like you're at the convention anymore. That's the first thing that we try to do. And that's really hard if you don't have a brick and mortar site that you can decorate any way that you want. Yeah, no, I understood. Mm -hmm. So that is, so for us, you know, the number one thing is having that feel. It's very interesting that you said, you know, that you'd want a year to work on something, but typically you've only got three months. We built both of those rooms, lock, stock, and barrel, in three months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I find that's usually the amount of time I have to build any one of my projects, like three months to build it all. Yeah, understood. Anyway, sorry, Amanda's signaling to me that we should get going, mainly because my poor family's outside, waiting to come inside. <laughs> they're at the window, pawing at the one. No, 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 they're, they're not, they're actually. Just, they're enjoying the they're evening. They're enjoying it. It's nice and warm here now. <laughs> I've got a very supportive family. <laughs> yes. No, but thank you so much for coming on today, Delaney. It was really cool hearing about uh, escape room conventions, and it's exciting that you're coming to Toronto Fan Expo. That might actually prompt me to actually go this year oh, nothing will prompt me to go good thing they don't listen to this podcast i don't think i'll ever go to fan expo it's insane. <laughs> i don't know how i don't think i'd be able to deal with the hundred thousand person one i just yeah. so it's not because of you that's not the reason i'm not going to fan expo i just uh, it's 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 packed it's yeah it's packed and there have been a lot of because of the busyness it's it's like you know they, they, I think they, they're, you know, the, the whole book more than you can handle mentality in case people drop out makes sense. But I think usually people don't ever drop out. And so it's an, it is crazy busy at Fan Expo. Uh, I'm not going to deny that. It absolutely is. I would say if you're going to come, come on Thursday. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But I would absolutely love for you guys to be able to, like, even if you just came and snuck in and, and got to see the rooms, um, I will be there, unfortunately, without my crew. It'll be just little old me running it all by myself. So. Oh, wow. And it's going to be packed. That's exciting, though. 
It's gonna be. No, um, gonna I be might want to kill myself by the end. <laughs> <laughs> so, if people want to find you, where can they go? They can go to uh, portableescapes.com. And we're also on Facebook, Portable Escapes. I think we have a, I know we have a, an Instagram that I have not done anything with yet. Uh, what else are we on? Oh, Snapchat. One of the cool things that uh, Krista can also do is she makes location-based Snapchat filters and frames for pictures. So that's one of the cool things that we'll also be doing. So when you show up to Portable Escapes, we'll have portable escape room specialized filters nice your team sounds really cool that's like wow everybody can build props that'd be amazing (laughs) oh trust me we need it um there's uh i want to say over a hundred different potion bottles in the room so yeah we needed uh everybody working on that anyway thank you so much for joining us delaney and i think man pans is gonna talk us out Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yay. Yay. And remember, that's portablescapes.com. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram. Room Escape Divas is brought to you by Inverse Genius. You can go to inversegenius.com to find other fun podcasts just like this one. You can also go to the Facebook page and click the like button on the Room Escape Divas Facebook page. And if you are on Twitter, you can use the hashtag REDivas. And I don't know if I mentioned it already, but you can email us at roomescapedivas at gmail.com. For those of you who don't know, Errol just licked his dusty computer and oh, regretted like, it I immediately. Didn't like, you know, I didn't like, you know, it, my just tongue just happened to fall on it. Oh, yeah. That yeah, wasn't an on-purpose In lick. The, <laughs> I think the tongue purposely came out to yeah, troll. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I didn't mean to lick the thing. Anyway, that sounds anyway, weird. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks for guys. listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.